I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Welcome to the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is your host, CEO Chuck Sexton. I am doing something a little different this week. I'm sitting out on my patio right next to my swimming pool. I've poured myself a nice glass of bourbon, and I am joined by a good friend of mine. He is with a, uh, a firm who helps economic developers greatly. He's helped me in my career uh, when I was on the local level. Uh, his firm is ph- phenomenal. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about bourbon, and we're going to maybe even delve into how we met. Today's guest is John Marshall, president of Golden Shovel. Thanks for being with me, John. Oh, thanks for having me, Chuck. It's a <laughs> pleasure. So I've not done an episode where I've sat down with a little bourbon. I feel kind of like Joe Rogan right now. You know, he does that sometimes <laughs> on his shows. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, you can invite me anytime there's bourbon involved. So, <laughs> All right, so let's talk about, let's first set the stage for folks. We're both mm-hmm. relaxed right now. I'm at my patio. You're chilling in your favorite chair. Yeah. What bourbon are you sipping on right now? Well, I'm sitting up sipping on one of my favorites. It's I'm not I'm not quite the connoisseur that you are, but uh, I love I love plenty of different ones. But I live up in northeastern Wyoming and the the population of bourbons up here is a little bit more limited than where you come from. So my standby is typically Woodford Reserve. And and that's uh uh, it's excessively priced at our local liquor stores to uh, show that it comes all the way from Kentucky, <laughs> uh, but it's still equally as good as when you drink it down there. And so I have my oversized giant ice cube and my bourbon glass, and uh, she's perfectly chilled. Hey, it's great. Woodford is a is a good everyday sipping bourbon. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with Woodford at all. Uh, I like mm-hmm. double oaked Woodford a little better than standard Woodford. And then yeah. I, I also have a bottle of double double oaked Woodford. Only wow. it only comes in a pint bottle, and not it won't it doesn't come in a fifth. It's in a special bottle. It's hard to find, and the label looks like an old like pharmacist prescription label on the on the front. Oh, that's real super cool, cool. Yeah, I love it. And it's great tasting bourbon. I am sipping on Blanton's, the oh, original yes. single barrel bourbon. For those who don't know, Blanton's was the first single barrel uh, bourbon ever released. It's an eight-year bourbon. Uh, many other bourbon distilleries followed suit. Uh, and then, uh, you know what? I'm not going to give a history lesson on bourbon tonight. Let's just uh, <laughs> let's just say that Buffalo Trace makes a lot of fine bourbons. And 
I have a lead on some real good allocations that I'm going to go pick up tomorrow. So I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully I'll be able to share some, uh, some great finds on the next episode, but you and I met the reason I thought it would be good to start the, one of my episodes with bourbon for the first time is that's how hmm. you and I met. Do you remember? It is. Yeah, I, I do. It was at a, <laughs> it was at a CDC conference, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Let's see who all was involved that night. Robert Ingram was there that evening. Um, let's see. Lindsey Frilling from yep. Union City was there that evening. Uh, my old friend Nathan Mick was there that evening. Uh, and that old rail guy, BNSF from yes. uh, Texas. I, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. I, I knocked on his door one night. He, he opened the door in just a cowboy hat. Well, he had he had shorts on. He had shorts, he had shorts and cowboy boots on too. But it was one of the funniest things. Uh, I was like two in the morning. I was trying to prank him. It is yeah. Conference. Still, so still it wearing his hat. James O'Donnelly. James yes, O'Donnelly. Yep. Yeah, I met a lot of good people at SEDC, and uh, you walked in to my room. I was kind of having a little um, hospitality suite, mm -hmm. and uh, I offered you some bourbon. And you yep. took the entire bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was Maker's Mark, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Yeah, that's true. That is, it was Maker's Mark. So it was, it was delicious. So thank you for volunteering that. You know, even though you didn't, I, I, I might have just taken it on my own. I was totally fine with it. Didn't bother <laughs> me a bit because I remember the next day you said, "Hey, hey, chuckle, sigh. Uh, sorry about taking your uh, bourbon, everybody." And uh, I said, "It's okay." <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was there for, is there, there to enjoy. So <clears throat> that was uh, my first meeting with you and with Golden Shovel. So why don't we, mm -hmm. we're sitting here talking about bourbon a lot. Let's tell everybody what it is exactly. For those who are the uninitiated, what does Golden Shovel do? Sure. So Golden Shovel is a marketing communications firm that started about 14 years ago, and we work exclusively in the economic development space and we do anything that uh, economic developers need as far as getting their message out uh, anywhere from uh, new websites to social media marketing to digital uh, targeted digital marketing ad campaigns virtual reality to fam tours uh, standard video copywriting storytelling uh, you name it. Most of our clients think of us as kind of an extension of their marketing team that can do things and have the bandwidth to um, take on projects that they just can't do internally uh, because most economic developers are fighting budgets and, and manpower and staffing issues just like everyday America. Yeah, that's actually a, a really good summary. And, and I think that in my career, I've probably used every service Mm -hmm. that you have may have introduced a couple of services uh that I yes you, and said, you did hey, you guys yeah. should offer this <laughs> yeah we actually a couple of things i listed off are thanks to you we didn't even <laughs> do them before you came up with them <laughs> hey that's okay no, yeah hey we're we're not we're not proud i mean we're uh we're we are proud of what we do but we're not uh, afraid of uh taking advice and and ideas from other people and running with them Hey, I'd be at next move group. I'll tell you right now, some of the best 
new services come as ideas that the clients give us because oh yeah we don't always know exactly what practitioners need at any given time or elected officials might need at any given time and there's something that we may have the capability to do we just haven't thought about it uh, as a service uh, mm-hmm. we're actually doing that right now with uh, one of our, our clients in west virginia it's a service next move group has never done before but we have the expertise on staff and we're going to be able to help them do accomplish something that they don't have the expertise to do internally. And so that'll become part of our uh, cadre of different uh, services that we offer uh, to the economic development professional. So what do you, what's your favorite thing to work on? So if you're going out and working with clients, what's your favorite thing to do? You know, I think the thing that, that I really enjoy the most is, and, and we did some of this uh, for your former organization was when a client comes to us and says, Hey, we really want you to get in the weeds and, and target some specific, not only industries, but specific companies and individuals within an industry and develop a, a tailored message that's unique to us and get it right in front of them and let me know when they see it. And I, I really, I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to come back and say, Hey, you know, the, you know, corporate executive for Boeing, for example, just looked at a message that was about your organization. And then they shared it with a couple other people. And that, you know, that's the sort of thing that economic developers are trying to do every day. And it's, it's tough to do a lot of times, and it's tough to get recognition for, your efforts, you know, a lot of times economic development is a thankless job. There's a lot of, a lot of hard work that goes on. And, you know, the, the people that are, are our bosses or the, the powers that be a lot of times they're elected officials and government officials that they just want the headlines. They want the, Hey, we we're announcing a job, you know, we're announcing or, or we're announcing a new business moving to town. What you mentioned though, about, <clears throat> really getting targeted with marketing and recruiting to me mm-hmm. when you go to that level and you hire a golden shovel and you say these are my specific industries and this is the region i'm going to be recruiting in and i want you to develop a message for me that goes out via whatever and i want you to report back to me who's looking at it that is advanced marketing and recruiting in my opinion so I, to me there's different levels of being an aggressive marketer and recruiter as an economic developer there's dipping your toe in the water, doing yep. shared uh, trade shows with s- state peers, peers around the state. I mean, there are states that do mm-hmm. that together. Then there's, you know, maybe you'll do a couple of trade shows, industry trade shows per year on your own. That's another level. Then you get very targeted. I mean, there's different levels. You get very targeted. You start say, I'm going to target 50 to 60 companies within my uh, target industries this year, and I'm going to meet with them face-to-face. But then right. when you get to the level of marketing like we're talking about here, like what the Golden Shovel did for me when I was doing it on the local level, that was that was aggressive. That was, uh, yeah. hey, I want to know who's – I'm going to develop some content. I want to get it in front of potential companies. I want to know who those companies are, and then I'm going to send that information to my recruitment firm, and they're going to target – setting meetings up for me with those companies when I'm over in Southern California or Pacific right. Northwest or wherever that might be. That yeah, was fun. And that's, that was, that was a very fun part of the job. Oh, absolutely. And it's, 
yeah, it's, it's very rewarding because you can actually see the work take shape and, and yield fruit, you know, bear fruit, if you will, uh, rather than a lot of these things that, that you do. And you're just like, Oh, geez, I wonder if that worked. I wonder how that landed. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that, that side of it sometimes can be challenging, but it is, it is fun when things come together and, and you have, you know, you have some war stories that you can tell. And, um, absolutely. That's, that's my favorite thing to work on are things like that, that, that are more targeted, more specific. They're a lot harder to do, uh, but the rewards are higher as well. You know why that is? Cause mm. that's, that's hunting. That's economic. Yes, sir. Hunting. And yes. John Marshall is a hunter. Oh yes, 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 I am. What's your favorite game? What do you What do you like to go after the most? You know, my favorite thing is uh, I I really enjoy. You hear my dog barking in the background. My Springer Spaniel is sitting on my lap, and okay. uh, I I love bird hunting. So I'm a big fan of pheasant hunting and duck hunting and dove hunting. Anything that flies that I can chase with my dog is uh, probably my favorite thing to do. So for me, growing up in Kentucky, it was always mm-hmm. deer, white-tailed yep. deer. That was, that was it. That's all I ever wanted to hunt. Then I moved to eastern Kentucky, and I saw how big the elk are. Mm-hmm. It's insane how mm-hmm. big the elk are in eastern Kentucky. And it's a lottery draw. You can't just go out and hunt them. You, you right. know, There's a season, but you also have to get drawn in a lottery to go and, and, and hunt. And everybody I know in Kentucky puts into that lottery. And uh, I'll send you some pictures. I've got some really good pictures from last season. Some people that I know that got some uh, over yeah. there. So it's, uh, it's fun. But you have to, you know, that's one of those where you have to hire a guide. And they right. take you to where, you know, where's the best place to go and, and get you a, a nice bull elk. And, um, yep. you know, it's worth the money for that experience to be able to go out and do it. Right. They're also elk are big enough that, you know, if you got too close to a bull who got pissed, you're, you're out of here. You're, you're not oh, going to survive in, that attack. No, <laughs> no, I was, uh, that's one step I, down from a moose. <laughs> I drew a, I drew a nice elk tag in, in the black Hills here three years ago in a really good unit. And we went out archery hunting for them. And when you call them in, they got to be within 30, 40 yards of you before they're in range. And a lot of times they're significantly closer than that. And an eight, 900 pound bull elk that's full of testosterone and hormones that's bugling his ass off uh, right in front of you like that. It, it, you make, it makes you really consider whether or not you should have brought a different weapon. (laughs) It's kind of like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You're like, I don't, I don't know. Like if he turns on me right now, I don't know that I'm going to win. I don't know that this is going to work. (laughs) I should really have something that goes bang right now, not just an arrow. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, look, um, where are you all going to be next? I know know Golden Shovel likes to get out and go to state associations, SEDC, IEDC, of course, but what's the next big uh, state association uh, conference you're going to be at? So we just got back from the FDI forum in Edinburgh, Scotland. Last week, our CEO was there. Uh, I'm headed to select USA in Washington, DC in June. And I believe 
will probably attend the SEDC conference coming up as well as IEDC. I know those are all kind of lined up coming up here in the next few months. Um, so those are, those are some that are on the radar. There's a couple of state and regional ones that we might also attend, but as you know, you get busy and have projects and other things that come up. So it's tough to, tough to attend all of them. You know, SEDC has a new president, uh, Matt Tackett. Yes. Yes. I can't wait to see Matt. I, I'm so happy for him and proud of him to, to make that leap. I mean, I think he's going to be a great leader for that organization after what he did with the Kentucky state organization. He just did a phenomenal job there as well. And uh, just so happy for him and his family to be able to take on that new challenge. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and uh, you know, uh, Gene is Gene left a mark there and, and yeah. did that job for a long time. And, um, you know, certainly be missed. And, and actually it's funny. We've talked about, we met at SEDC. We're talking about mm -hmm. Matt going there. We're talking about Gene, uh, retiring and heading, heading on out and enjoying his life. And I'm sitting here drinking out of my SEDC glass that I got in Tampa last year. <laughs> that was a heck of a gift. I don't know if that was Gene's idea or Matt's That's idea. Genius. SEDC, but it was a great gift, a bourbon glass. Oh, SEDC for their 75th anniversary. Uh, That's fantastic. It was, it was a great <laughs> conference. And so, um, and it's a beautiful glass. They did a great job with that. It's in San Antonio this year. Uh, coming up in August, I believe it's always around my birthday. Yeah, and it, you can't ever go wrong with San Antonio with the Riverwalk and all the fun historic things to do there. And there's just great venues and food, and it's just a wonderful city. I love San Antonio. So if I don't, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be plenty warm, so I might jump in the river a couple of times you never know <laughs> that sounds like a john marshall special to me. yeah that's that's something that i might have might have to do john let's hold there for just a second and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors i want to thank location1.com some of you know it is lois for sponsoring today's podcast in my opinion lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market one of the reasons i think that is it gives you nationwide exposure so i used to be the economic developer in paducah kentucky and i made a terrible mistake i only put my buildings and sites on the kentucky economic development buildings and sites database well paducah bordered illinois and was within 30 or so miles of missouri indiana and tennessee so what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database well lois does that for you looking back I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. <laughs> well, look what what kind of uh, what kind of new products do you guys have coming out? Is there anything new that that Golden Shovel's doing right now? Uh, so on the on the newer newer side, I guess I would say is, you know, everybody's struggling. Like we had talked earlier on in this conversation, the two big things that I'm hearing a lot, and I think you are too, are uh, communities are struggling with workforce, and there's and or they're struggling with housing. 
And there's a combination there because sometimes if you don't have housing, it's really difficult to attract workforce, right? So it's kind of a chicken or the egg type of thing. And even in my hometown, we're struggling with both of those topics. And so we're seeing a lot of discussions around that rather than, hey, let's recruit a business in right now. Well, we need to help our local business community with their, their existing workforce needs and making sure that we keep enough people in the community to, to supply that labor pool. And so a lot of our trends and techniques are, are focused in that area. And I'd say the biggest, newest one that we're having the most success with is actually from your home state of Kentucky. We're working on a workforce uh, development slash attraction project down there using our virtual reality technology in a little bit different way than we did with you guys. And we went in and we highlighted five different industries, kind of a day in the life of a worker there in virtual reality. And so they're taking these, these virtual tours into guidance counselors offices and, and uh, high schools and to job fairs and to technical colleges. And these kids are just eating this up because they're already using that technology for gaming. So they love virtual reality. And so when you tell them, Hey, you can put this headset on and I'll take you to that factory and show you what it'd be like to work there. Yeah. And my 17 year old uh, through the window of the house right now, he's literally got a headset on his his face. I guarantee you if I looked in my other room, my 14 year old (laughs) right now as well. And so uh, they, they actually just ordered another 20 headsets from us because the first 10 or 15 they had got, went so fast, they need more. And one of the ladies that's heading that project up said, I go to these job fairs and my line is out the door with prospective students that are looking for this type of content and all of the other vendors that are there with their keychains and their coffee mugs and, you know, whatever else they have, they don't have anybody at their booths, but I, my line is, you know, out the door. I can't keep the headsets on people fast enough. And so we're having, yeah, 90, 1996 gold. Yeah, I know. They want their coffee mug mug and their keychain back, by the way, people drink out of Keurigs and stainless steel now, not mugs, but that's (laughs) another story for another day. No, that's uh, awesome. That's, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, and I think your, your listeners will appreciate this. It's also a different pool of money and a different angle towards economic development than just trying to chase smokestacks and do your, your traditional thing. So you can partner with school systems. You can partner with electric utilities. You can partner with workforce boards. You can access federal CARES Act money, USDA grants, all kinds of different pools of money are out there for programs around workforce and education that you wouldn't necessarily be able to tap for some of the other activities that you do. So sometimes, and we're having these conversations all over the country, um, we're just saying, hey, just be the thought leader in your community. Don't spend your own money on it. You just be the thought leader. You just be the leader of the charge. And we'll bring the other stakeholders together that can write the check. In fact, some major co- employers are fine with helping to pay for it because 
what happens if you want to feature your company in the video in the tour oh yeah you want your logo you want your company so when they go and talk to the local workforce it's your company they see oh, not yeah. just the industry but your company oh well, well is it's that future pipeline too so oh, you think 100%. about attracting attracting young people that's that is something that every community is trying to mm -hmm. figure out how do we attract young people who are in high school right now to be interested in especially manufacturing because yeah for whatever reason still uh people have this connotation of manufacturing as if it's some dirty dirty job that you know yeah. you're gonna get your arm cut off every five right. seconds and in reality most manufacturing facilities now all. it's you're operating equipment you're and doing it's high tech yeah, it's really yeah. high tech. And you have to be able to do maintenance on these high tech machines uh, yeah. to keep that plant running smoothly. And the pay has gone up. So whereas yep. automation has created an environment where there may be fewer total employees in a given manufacturing plant, the wages are increasing every year right. in those facilities. And most of these manufacturing facilities need even more engineers on staff. Uh, we're doing a project right, right now. Uh, actually, I'm scoring sites right now on a project. Uh, we had an RFI out for a couple of weeks, and yep. uh, engineering was a huge uh, piece of that RFI. They really wanted to understand yeah. not only the existing engineering workforce, uh, but what the technical colleges and the four-year universities had from engineering education. But they also wanted to know what the local schools were doing. What right. are the high schools doing to drive uh, that future pipeline to get uh, younger children interested in engineering and STEM and uh, manufacturing technology. Yeah. And they, the, so just to brag about my state for a little bit, Wyoming just came out with this workforce program where if you're a local employer, you can apply for a grant and they will pay $12 an hour of an intern in quotation marks wage for a full-time wage for six months wow. and you can pay them as much as you want. So if you wanted to pay them $25 an hour, the state of Wyoming is going to pay half of that. And so for, from the power of going into a school system and saying, Hey, I can hire five interns now instead of two or three because the state's going to pay half of everything. Talk about developing talent pipeline. I mean, that's the sort of thing I think that is is just critical moving forward because everybody's struggling for talent right now, and you you have to think outside the box and find a different way. Yeah. To well, it, it, to it's do put, it. It's put more pressure on. You know, a lot of industries have said, "Well, look, we're going to have to limp through the next couple of years." But yeah. Boy, we have got to make sure we're ready a few years from now. We've got to make right. sure that we are really infiltrating uh, the school systems and helping these young people understand that they can make a great living. They don't have to spend, you know, $150,000 on a four-year education necessarily if because um, they can make $80,000 a year with a good right. technical certificate in, in these manufacturing plants. And so, you know, there's, there's an array. And it's funny too, because <clears throat> Ivy and I, uh, of course, you know, Ivy, we worked mm -hmm. on, uh, we worked on a narrative for the build back better program, uh, a grant mm -hmm. and part of that narrative, uh, she showcased how manufacturing has almost 
every interest level that you can think of. If you want to be in sales, if you want to be in, in, yep. in accounting, if you want to be in engineering, if you want to be in managerial, if you want to be in CNC machine operating, you want to be a welder, you want to be um, a, an account executive, a CEO, all these different types of roles exist in manufacturing. Yeah. Sales. Absolutely. Business development, marketing, all those things exist. It's very interesting. Yep. And, no, and it is. it's something that, you know, if you're in economic development, you inherently know that, but I don't think it's something that we transfer that, that right. information to the right audience all the time. In today's executive search spotlight, we're going to highlight the Montgomery County Action Council. This is Montgomery County, Kansas. They're hunting a new executive director. Uh, for those of you all not familiar with where Montgomery County, Kansas is, it's kind of right in between Kansas City and Tulsa. They're on the southern Kansas border, uh, close to Wichita and Joplin. So very good geography to recruit industry. They also have four industrial parks with space. So quite a bit of property. Also had a lot of success. Have several deals that are currently being developed or in the making. So they have a lot of momentum, a good opportunity to come in and win very quickly. They're looking for somebody that can do industrial recruitment, existing industry, um, anything job creation, as well as some image projection and helping the Montgomery County Action Council market. So if you're interested, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash Montgomery. As far as pay, they are offering around Seventy-five dollars to $95,000 competitive benefits. That's based on experience. So if you want some more information, visit that website. Look, we are running this job till Friday, May 27th. That's when the deadline is. So you have plenty of time to research it. For more questions, reach out to Brittany McCoy at 504-615-7174. Well, and I think the, the other thing that's nice about uh, these these jobs that we're talking about are where you can live as well. So you don't you don't have to live in downtown New York to have a job like this and make eighty thousand plus a year. You you can live in a smaller community with arguably typically a better quality of life to raise your children, more activities to do if you're outdoorsman and you like to hunt and fish and camp and do that sort of thing. I mean, you can make a really good income and not have to travel into the big city to do it. And that gives you better buying power. You have a nicer house, drive a nicer car, all that. So uh, I think that's the other part that uh, to me is, is very attractive because that's my personality. You know, I, I like that. And, now it's not for everybody. It means still people are going to want to work on Wall Street and all that sort of stuff. But it, you don't have to to make the big bucks anymore. Yeah, and you know, I said on our new show last week um, that, or earlier this week uh, on Monday, our newscast that we do that, you know, the projects are going to continue for a while. I was talking to uh, CEO of a bank today. Uh, we were having a discussion about <clears throat> state of the economy. He's concerned about. Um, the possibility of a recession and what inflation is doing and the fact that interest rates are still at historic lows, even if they go up two points, they're still at historic lows. Right. Now yeah. They're still occur. But uh, I mentioned in the newscast and I, and I believe this, I think that we're going to continue to see activity on the site selection side 
especially yeah. in manufacturing. There's got to be some more production backfill. You now, there's people have learned uh, through COVID uh, and through what's currently happening in the world global politics that you have to diversify the supply chain, and it has to be, you know, it, it can't be concentrated in one place necessarily. No, it's got to yeah, yeah. be diverse. It's got to you've got to be able to get. Uh, those uh, manufacturers and production pieces uh, closer to their end use, but also that necessitates more raw material supply. And so mm -hmm. the other thing, obviously, we're wor we're working some raw material supply type companies, you know, in the steel sector right now, are just, uh, doing site selection for them. But if you look at it, that our client or some of their competitors in the market, all of them. Uh, you're seeing the the steel market make moves right now that you haven't seen happen in what 30 years, 20, 30 years. Um, <clears throat> you know, Novellus yeah. announced this week in Alabama or last week in um, in uh, Baldwin County. That's one of the first you know aluminum uh, mills of that of that caliber in a long time. So I, I think you're going to continue to see this, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, we have a lot of potential clients out there we're talking to. We have several uh, site selection projects active right now. And I, I think that's going to continue at least uh, for another 12 to 18 months, uh, unless something just absolutely devastating happens in the market. That's the only thing I can see that kind of turns that spigot off. Yeah, I would agree. I don't, I don't think there's any end in sight for a while, even if there is a bump in interest rates, it's, it's going to take more than that because everybody's still in this recovery slash re rebuild out phase from COVID and what that did to supply chains and what the people, like you said, they're just trying to protect themselves from the next go round. If well, there been, ever is one, there's been a lot of cash pumped in, uh, pumped into the, um, yeah, there's also that. <laughs> that, uh, that's, that that can be good. That can be bad. Um, you're seeing yeah. the, the bad and the good of it. You know, people have a little yeah. more cash uh, and, you know, some people put that back. Some people are spending that in the market, but also you see inflation occurring. Uh, it's causing construction lead times and construction costs uh, to grow exponentially right now. You know, if you. Right. That's the other thing <clears throat> communities have to be prepared for is, you know, if, if you aren't actively and constantly looking at product development, mm -hmm. you better get on that train because, you know, there are different, just like there's different phases of recruiting, there's different phases of product development. And if you can't have a building uh, on site, the best next thing is, uh, or the next best thing is a virtual building. Uh, if you can't yep. have the virtual building, you better have a build ready site. And, you know, right. the RFI we have out right now, I mean, that's a big key uh, for our client is a build ready site. And, and some people don't even really think about build ready <clears throat> from that standpoint. Some states have done a good job of certifying internally uh, state certified build ready sites. I think that's a great program that states have implemented. Yeah, but it's, it's certainly something that people need to be thinking about, especially right now, because there's going to be projects out there. And I've said this a lot. I'm going to continue to say it. There's opportunity for small to mid-sized communities if they are prepared and ready. And the thing that will run through the minds of a small to mid-sized community right now is, well, we're not ready right now. So what's the point in getting ready if this wave goes away? Well, that same thing was said during the last wave. And if you'd have prepared right. then, you'd be prepared right now. So right. 
always, always be preparing yourself for the yeah. next wave of opportunities. And this wave of opportunity, I think, again, is going to continue for a little bit. So. Yep. I would agree. Yeah. I'd, if you don't have some available sites, you better be working on them right now. And that's the thing. It's not just available sites. You got to, you know, they can't, just yeah. be, it can't just be farmland. No, you, you can't no, no. pull up to that site and see somebody harvest. No, because they, they want they, they want bulldozers on that thing a week after they sign paperwork. That's right. You're exactly well, right? Especially right now, you've got yeah to do but it with 50, lead times. Square foot building. I've done oh, I yeah. did some lead times on this fifty thousand square feet. Uh, right now, the lead time most recently that I got was twelve months. If everything went perfect, right. That's a long time to wait. That is a long time. Square feet. So, um, at any rate, I don't know what, if you're seeing that with some of your all's clients or not. But oh, absolutely. I, I, I've seen, I've heard stories of six months to get doors and windows. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, it, just standard stuff that you wouldn't even think anything about. I, I know a project near and dear to my heart. The Projects delayed three months because the uh, plumber and the concrete contractor got pulled away to other jobs that offered them twice as much money to come earlier. Yep. Well, that's you another know, just, shortage. That's another shortage you see right yeah. now in the U.S. is um, qualified uh, construction people, uh, oh, folks yep. that are, are willing and able and have the capacity to do projects. And so, uh, right. you know, you got to look at, you know, communities need to start looking at some of those bigger companies, especially if they land a larger deal and trying to partner with them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the Yates, the Jesco gray, those, those types of companies out there and at least reaching out to them for advice on some of the preparation that they need to do. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we've been rambling on for a while now. It's uh, it's probably one of my longest podcasts so far. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the the folks out there got a good bit of information out of it. Uh, I always like to give my guests the final word. Uh, is there anything uh, left that you would like to say to uh, to the folks who listen to our podcast? Well, I you know my final word would be thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed. Uh, being on and i i've enjoyed our friendship over the years and think very highly of next the next move group and everything that they've done that uh, you guys continue to really impress me as you move forward and grow in the industry and uh you know for anybody that's interested in the marketing communication side feel free to reach out and we're happy to talk to you about things that have worked in other communities and and also things that haven't worked so we can give you a, a leg up. <laughs> well, I certainly couldn't recommend a, a better group of folks to use if, if you're looking at a sure enough, just completely built out marketing plan. And, and that's something I think people need to understand about Golden Shovel. This isn't just about a website. This is about right. a fully integrated marketing, social media, LinkedIn, targeted recruitment, how do you get the best of the best from the standpoint of marketing your community as a whole uh, and yeah. having an entire strategy around it? You know, to me, Golden Shovel is, is the best in class when it comes to that. So I appreciate all the help that you've given 
me and my career in the past. Um, certainly, I think there's going to be more opportunities for us to work together now uh, that I'm at Next Move Group uh, and, and running the show over here. Uh, Chad has always obviously talked highly of, of Golden Shovel, and um, there's always opportunities for us to work together. So at any rate, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, for everyone out there listening, uh, tune in next week. We'll have a, a brand new guest for you. And uh, I hope that uh, everyone has great hunting out there, as we've talked about tonight. Uh, yes, great indeed. hunting in the economic development world. And we'll <laughs> see you next time on the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. <laughs>